Hello everyone, welcome to a new month, March 2019. Uh, and as many of you know, uh, every month now we play the original National Anthem of the Philippines based on lyrics from a poem uh, from one of the Catupineros. Um, gosh, I'm blacking on who it is, but anyways. Um, welcome to another episode of Fresh Old Manila. Um, I apologize for moving this one later on to instead of um, Tuesday. This is coming out on Friday because it's International Women's Day, and as a um, given some in, in light of a few things that happened recently, I wanted to talk a bit uh, a bit about uh, my great grandmother, Borda Vilimbava Kalau, in um, in the context of. International Women's Day. So for those of you who are new, my name is Ramon Rodrigo Roberto Calacuenca, CFA. I am the founder and director of First of Manila, the digital brand, which includes art and a podcast and occasionally a YouTube video that discusses fixing long-term, excuse me, that discusses fixing deep-rooted problems in the Philippines and Manila. All right. So what happened was that recently, I'm sure you've known because I've done an episode of this, or at least many of you know, um, was that uh, the Philippines won Miss Universe. So following that, um, GMA actually produced a, a documentary on, um, and I'm putting it up here for those of you guys watching on YouTube, but it's a documentary of the first uh, beauty queen of the Philippines, my great-grandmother, Pura Vilimbabacalao, so this came out in January, end of January, and um, there's been some buzz about it a little bit, and um, obviously offline and also online with social media. So um, it garnered quite a the documentary garnered quite a bit of views, like about 600k in YouTube as of this uh, podcast. So it's a pretty good amount. And I was reading the comments, and some people were like, "Wow, this should be made into a movie," you know. So um, it really got me thinking about about obviously not just my great-grandmother and her her, her husband, my great-grandfather, uh, T.M. Kalau, but also about the role of um, uh, writers and intellectuals uh, in Philippine society and in our culture. Because, I mean, the the big draw uh, for for my great-grandmother, my bisabuela, was that she was a, the first beauty queen. But she was also a very accomplished um uh, woman, she uh, before she was uh, so when she was before she was crowned beauty queen, uh, the first carnival queen in Manila. She was already by age twenty a writer um, for a newspaper and also and also the founder of a uh, of one of the one of the uh, women's rights women's suffrage movements in the Philippines, which uh, the, that movement of course eventually won. So um, just got me thinking about. Um, about people like her, and I'm sure there are many others in our history that I'm not even aware of, and how it's sort of like these things are kind of lacking in our society. So um, I think what I'm going to do for this, or what I will do for this episode, is just talk a bit about Pura Vilimbabacalao, and also some thoughts about how sort of her relative anonymity outside of her being a beauty queen, sort of something that I'd like to change in our culture, and not just for her, but for all, for all our other writers. I mean, 
and intellectuals. So, um, like Epifanio de los Santos, for example, everyone probably just knows him for Edsa, uh, the road on which he was, the road was named after him, but he was also a writer and an intellectual as well. So that's just an, another example. So anyways, let's get started. Um, before I forget though, actually before we start, um, I, I want to make the important announcement that uh, this this podcast, the First of Manila podcast, will be going bi-weekly, meaning every two weeks, every fortnight, um, however you want to phrase that, because I want to focus also on some of my art, oh, excuse me, I want to focus on some of my artwork and also a few other things as well, um, just because um, I want to increase the output of sketches of what a first world manila uh would look like i mean that, that's kind of the draw of this brand and what i'm planning to do is alternate between podcasts and week and uh and weekly or excuse me bi-weekly uh watercolor sketches of what i of my vision for what we would look like um, um if the right policies and the right culture were in place because as you know, I mean, as, or as some of you know, I'm an artist and the art's been a big draw. Um, so yeah, you can see the artwork I'll be posting on social media. So just look at Facebook or Instagram. Uh, just look for First World Manila. Uh, one other announcement is that um, I have three paintings that are going to be sold in Art in the Park in Salcedo and Makati this, mid, this mid-March. I'll be there, so if you see me, you want to talk to me, say hi in chat, uh, please do. I'll, I'm happy to talk to listeners of this podcast. Um, and I'll, I will send more information about that event on social media. So please, please do follow me, First World Manila, on either Facebook or Instagram. All right, going back to this episode. So yeah, um, she was, Puria uh, Vinimavakala was not just a beauty queen. I mean, it's nice. I mean, she's, I guess, I guess she was attractive. Uh, it's weird calling your ancestors that. <laughs> um, she's also intelligent, so, and, and, and educated. Um, and I think I, I talked a bit about this actually in a previous podcast about beauty queens and intelligence. So I don't want to talk too much about it now. You can, you can go listen to that podcast. But I wanted to show you this uh, this um, this article uh, from a, from a, an old newspaper that her husband, my great grandfather, ended up becoming the editor for El Renacimiento, and this is a, this is a scan that my cousin uh, on the Katigbak side found, and this is about this is basically it says here Estos Fabio Ay Dolor, it's basically um, this is something that Pura Vilmovacalo wrote. Um, in, in June 1910 in Manila about Depa and she was comparing, basically comparing Depa in Matangas to um, or she was referencing a classic Spanish poem when talking or when writing about Depa uh, Batangas so that gives you the sort of idea of what kind of education we had um, before um, in the early, early in the 20, in the early and late, excuse me, the early 20th century and late 19th century and it's sad because um, my cousin and I had to ask my, my friend Jorge, the Spanish uh, Philippine culture PhD, like what the title of the article meant. And only until he sent us a, um, 
a copy of the poem that we understand and it's and so it's just said that no one aside from the fact that most people here cannot speak spanish anymore i mean there's a lot of cultural references that were that are lost um so yeah another reason why i'm pro-spanish language for this country for the philippines um all right so talking um I also wanted to point out the fact that she was also very business savvy. So she basically liquidated her her father's fortune, which was in um, Iloilo, and and used it for real estate investment in Manila. So she bought up a lot of land here. So she was pretty savvy on the real estate side too. So in fact, while a lot of people might know T.M. Callow, like there's a street in an afternoon in Manila, but and you know, as a, he was a he was secretary of the interior, and um, director of the national library, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he was being supported by his wife, who was managing the money. So, as my mother, who would be her descendant, likes to say, behind every great man is a great woman. <laughs> so yeah, that's, how's that for International Women's Day? <laughs> but even more than that, uh, let's go even further than, than that. Um, she also did things herself as well. So because of her work, she helped win the vote for women in this, in this country, in the Philippines. And what's interesting too is that she is also she was also very forward thinking. So I mean, there's so much I want to talk I want to talk and talk about her and her husband, but I'm actually saving that for another project I'm working on. It's more like I want to talk about her in the context of First World Manila and how it's relevant to what you guys want to hear. All right, so anyways, um, what it's also I find interesting about her is that she was also very, very uh, socially progressive at her time. So even though she was a high society mestiza, I mean, look at this photo here I'm putting up on the left side. This is her and when she won the the first Manila Carnival, La Reina de, del Oriente, so the Queen of the Orient. She's surrounded by other, other, her sort of, I guess, people escorting her, her, what's a woman, what's a female name for entourage? I don't know, but anyways, by other Filipino women, and she just kind of sticks out because she's tall and she's white. <laughs> she was half Spanish, uh, half Chinese mestizo, so, so she was high society. But she married my great grandfather, uh, Teodoro Manguiet Calao, who was very dark skinned. He was very—he almost looked completely Malay, and he's from a sort of the middle to lower middle classes. So not only was this a um, crossing, not only was she crossing um, racial lines in a way, she was also she was also uh, crossing class lines. So. And mind you, this was in the 1910s, uh, so this is very ahead of her. Uh, she was very, she was a woman of very ahead of her time. Um, so she married him because she loved him for his intelligence. Um, T.M. Kahlo himself was very well educated. He was very erudite. Uh, both of them were Hispanistas, uh, meaning pro-Spanish language people. Um, and both were very patriotic as well to this country. So, and it's hard, I mean, it was hard too what she must have gone through. I mean, I obviously wasn't around when this happened, but I know that she was, that they were made fun of for being uh, basically a mixed skin color couple. They're called cafe con leche, uh, coffee with milk. And and even her father, so Pura's father, uh, 
Emilio Villanueva, uh, this guy, uh, uh, he admitted that that his son-in-law was intelligent, but he never really accepted him because he was darker skinned. So even before, when he was younger, when Emilio Villanueva, the father of Pura, was younger, he was, you know, he was, uh, I remember reading somewhere, I can't find the book, but I think this is right, but people asked him why he married. He, well, he, went to, he studied in Spain. He was part of that whole, like, illustrator group. Um, he met his wife in Spain. Some people asked him apparently why he married a Spanish woman. He said, "Para mejorar la raza," so in order to in order to improve the race. That, that's the kind of thinking he had, and um, he didn't like Rizal. Rizal didn't like him. Um, kept saying he was surprised when Rizal became a hero. Uh, he was also apparently the type of Filipino that Rizal didn't like, like spending his money. He also said that Rizal, his, his skin was so dark, you know. So that's the kind of guy Emilio Villanueva was like. I'm not saying he was a bad person, but he certainly had his preju prejudices. So it's very interesting that he, his, he had two daughters, and uh, one of them, Pura, married, uh, married basically what he did not want. <laughs> but so, good. So not only was she, aside from being a, a beauty queen, Pura was intelligent, educated, accomplished, and socially progressive. So, um, I guess this is going to be a short podcast, uh, but what I'm hoping for, so I have a lot of things planned and hopefully things go my way. Um, I'm planning some things with this brand and also outside of this brand, some business stuff that will hopefully kind of help push our, push our, or reform our culture as I've talked about in previous podcasts. And if you want to know more about that, if you're new to this podcast, please listen to the recent one I did on nation building. Um, but I would like for her to be an inspiration. I would like for Pura Villanueva Calo to be an inspiration for uh, Filipinas and even Espanolas uh, to you know, really go for what you want in life and don't just blindly follow. Uh, don't let pakikisama, smart shaming, crab mentality get you down. I think it's a message I'd like to have. And there are probably a lot of other people in history like her that we just don't know about because we're only, we're only, sort of our heritage is only, it's only surface level, okay, Rizal, but even then some people just know him as a babaero and not what he did. As I mentioned in the, in, in the, in my podcast about um, um, beauty queens and intelligence, um, most people don't know Rizal, for example, for his other essays besides his books, uh, Noli and Fili. Uh, a crying shame, really. So, but there are people like that, and again, we should um, part of part of the cultural reform I'm talking about. Aside from rule of law, there has to be a code of conduct. Again, shared values and culture, and appreciation for for book learning, for reading, and intelligence and erudition, and not and not just degrees. Um, I've noticed people because again, we're a very social status oriented society. And it's funny because people care about degrees or the titles, but not the work that goes behind them. I mean, you just have to look around and see like all these cars with license plates like lawyer, uh, you know, things like that. Or even uh, some of our politicians claiming to have studied in this or that, you know, prestigious U.S. school, but maybe they've either A, only taken like a summer course there, or B, like it never really went there. So it's, it's like... That's something that has to change. There should be uh, a focus on merit and accomplishment and not just blind social status, which is unfortunately, which for me is one problem that plagues our society today. Okay. 
Um, so, in ending, I wanted to read a, like the first paragraph of this of what um, my great my bisabuela Pura Vidhuva Kala wrote here, and I'll I'll, see, I'll read it in Spanish and I'll provide the English translation in lieu of our regular Tagalog Spanish vocab. Okay, so the first uh, again, this is this is an article about Lipa, right? Oops, all right, here we go. So the first paragraph of Estos Fabio, Ay Dolor, para Renacimiento Filipino. Coronando el cumbre de un gran promotorio, levántese de pa, de cara al malaraya, contemplando a un lado a lo lejos el siempre humeante, el siempre majestuoso volcán de Taal. Su fresco clima atrae visitantes que buscan allí la perdida salud. So, in English, crowding the summit of a great promontory, Lipa faces Excuse me. Lipa rises facing the Malaraya, contemplating to one side in the distance the always smoky, always majestic volcano of Taal. Its cool climate attracts visitors looking for lost health there. It sounds less in English, but it sounds better in Spanish. So anyways, I will see you in two weeks. And again, please follow me on social media, for, uh, on Facebook or Instagram, First with Manila, to see my artwork, which I'll be doing every other week as well. All right. See you next time. Mag-ingat kayo y hasta luego.